Hello and welcome to another episode of Embodiment. This podcast is a place for those in the pursuit of creating a life that is the true medicine by essence, where how we choose to commune with ourselves, community, nature, and spirit reflects our state of health and well-being. The goal of this podcast is to give the power of healing back to you and empower you to create meaningful change in your life so that living healthfully and vibrantly is your natural state. We'll explore topics from Eastern and Western medicine, spirituality, quantum physics, to personal growth, food, food systems, and so much more. Some shows will be me sharing my experiences, while others will be interviews from experts, thought leaders, teachers, and more. And before we get into today's episode, please, wherever you listen to the podcast, one way you can support the podcast is by leaving a five-star review and a written review. It's so helpful. And be sure to like and subscribe to never miss an episode. You can also find me on my website at kaylaringdacm.com or on my Instagram at Ring. Now let's dive in. Welcome to another episode. I am your host, Dr. Kayla Ring, and today's guest is a wonderful colleague of mine, Dr. Christian Pedretti. So thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to see what we get into. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, we kind of touched base on this off uh, camera, but I'm excited for today's episode. Um, Not only because I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from you, but because uh, we Although we went to school together, I feel like this is going to be the first time really getting to hear uh, your story and and how you got here. So I feel like that's a great jumping off point to start today's episode. I'm I'm curious, and for everybody else listening to this episode, is what brought you into uh, this this medicine? Yeah, it's a good story, or at least I think so. The story is similar to others in the sense that I ended up making my own mess my mission. And from a pretty early age, I I was what you would call uncomfortable in your own skin. Uh, And the formal diagnosis for that was eczema. And it was quite the learning journey. So it would go in and out of fluctuation of severity. And then during my undergrad, I got actually really, really sick to the point of hospitalization and it was it was a mess. Mm. I had doctors look at me like I was a monster. I, I remember at one point I was in the, it wasn't the ER, but it was in some specialist office, and they're, like, asking if they can take photos of me, but at no point throughout the way was there any, like, hey, how are you doing? What's going yeah. on here? And the looks on their faces made it seem like the photos were more because they didn't know what was going on than mm-hmm. actually trying to help in any way. So through that experience, I kind of resigned from the Western system. It was just, it was not working for me. And 
it wasn't necessarily by choice. It was more probably by a bit like peer intervention. I had a family friend call me and say, Hey, I know someone who you can go to that might be able to help out with what you're, what you're you know, in the midst of. And that was the first time that a practitioner ever treated me like a human. And mm. in that experience, I felt instantaneous. I can even feel it in my nervous system right now, just thinking back on the, on the memory of how that there was a complete shift in my biology and in my body that set me on a trajectory to where I am today. And it, it started off as um, I had some acupuncture that day. There was some herbs. Uh, there was talking about food as medicine. And uh, it just it never stopped. I, I couldn't get enough of it. I was having a really hard time studying the formal school system within that system. And um, it got to a point where I thought about pursuing it right after my undergrad. I got talked out of it by family and friends because it's not a traditional thing. Yeah. I'm in a very traditional family. Mm. And uh, from there, I took a few years off the jobs that I hated and uh, I mostly just woke up one morning and the light bulb went off of, Hey, there's, there's always been this thing. You've tried to deny it and you can't anymore. Like you're just, you're meant to do it. So that's, that's the short version. Um, there's definitely some details in there too. Yeah. Um, I mean that leap of faith too, especially trusting in your like, well, I don't know, but it kind of resonates in my heart. So it's definitely worth it to, to, leap into or take the leap right um but a few things in there that kind of stood out which i feel like you know oftentimes probably just in medicine just in general but especially on this type of medicine i feel like it's it's our own stories of like dealing with um like not getting the the type of care or the results that we are seeking and that probably on a soul level, like we know to be true, like this can't be the only way I'm not destined to live this way, this lifestyle. Um, and you know, that it leads us into figuring it out. Like we, we become our own doctors first type of a thing, you know? Um, and I remember talking to you previously, or maybe that was just in some of the classes that we had, but how food is medicine. And so this wasn't necessarily the tra trajectory that I intended, but I feel like that's kind of a big topic. How did you start to navigate that for yourself? What does that look like for you? Well, it's been a journey and uh, I fought it every which way. Mm -hmm. I... At first was like, you know, does it all have to be organic? And, and, and even before then I, I was like, so wait, I was, I was just gluten free. I was just dairy free, but that meant eating chips and cookies and things that were, had, you know, labels on it that made it seem like maybe it was a better option. And mm -hmm. I just simply wasn't getting better. Um, maybe there was a fraction of it myself that was getting better, but I was still, I was young. I was engaging in binge drinking. I was still doing things that a college student would do. Mm -hmm. And it just got to a point eventually where I was like, your body's talking so loud and I had to make change. And the, uh, 
I, don't, I forget the formal phrase that was uttered to me, but it was something along the lines of, if it hurts bad enough, you'll make change. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what it eventually just came to. So I started to having to eat real food on a regular basis. And that first went to veganism. And that is kind of like a trendy thing. Mm-hmm. It, it seems really great on paper. I will say I've not seen many people do it in a proper way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was also me. So I went from there to more of a paleo basis. And I don't really adhere to formal rules, per se, in that, that department. I'm, I'm more so intuitively eating at this point. But the baseline is, is organic and eating real food. And you know, I'm not perfect. I still have a sweet tooth. I love... I try to replace it with like fruit smoothies at this point when I have it, but um, yeah, it's it's been that was the the thing that I fought the hardest for the longest of time, and even still to this day, like if you go on vacation and you know you're in the middle of the Midwest and like restaurants are just I don't know like a salad bar that is the saddest excuse for iceberg lettuce and you know yeah. I I would like prefer to opt not to eat but if you're like in communion with other people i think that is also medicine in in some regards Mm -hmm. too so it's it's all about just doing what feels right in the moment and and honestly honoring yourself to the the point of once you're out of like the chronic illness department i feel when you're in the chronic Mm -hmm. illness department Mm -hmm. you have to be pretty i wouldn't say rigid but within the boundaries of what it means to heal and Mm -hmm. uh, at least that's been my experience. I also have some insight or at least in the last, I'd say five years where the more you tap into some of the unhealed traumas of your nervous system Mm -hmm. that you can actually get away with a lot more in Mm -hmm. the the food department. But Mm -hmm. early on food becomes the focus because it's something physical and it's something that you can actually control. And that feels pretty good. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I think that there's like, a hundred other layers that really matter in the, in the world of healing. Yeah. You know, when I first started like personally working on myself, trying to heal like my physical manifestations, food was a really big part of it too. And immediately I went like gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free. Some would say like joy-free, you know, like, (laughs) but to me it was like trying to, I, it was creating a foundation or like a blueprint basically of like a means to operate within. Yeah, I completely agree. For me, it's somewhat similar. I I still have a dance that I do with dairy that there seems to be like a a tipping point of I can do um, so much or higher quality sources or raw dairy seem to be better for me. And uh, I definitely get away with, you know, sourdough, higher quality sources of bread. Um, Because of what I know, I think intellectually from a standpoint of what that means long-term, I I do try to stay within the framework probably 90% of the time. And uh, it, it allows me to still have freedom in my life. And I, I may be the one that's still creating this, I don't know if you could call it self-limiting belief, but I notice still in my own body and, and we can maybe get into some of this stuff and it might be a good point to 
talk about some more of the stuff I'm doing now, but the ileocecal valve is this thing that talks to me so loud in my own body. And what I'm seeing is it talks to everybody in the clinic and we don't even know it. It's, it's something that until you press on it, which is for you listeners, it's where the small intestine meets the large intestine. It's where autoimmune disease starts. It is where bowel issues happen for most people. Um, there's so much that goes on there. And the big offender is not gluten per se, but it is glyphosate. So if you're not getting a high quality source of a carb or a bread, I notice instantaneously, not only does my ileocecal valve talk to me, it like it not, doesn't radiate, but the fascial tissue changes from there and it creates on my whole entire right side all the way up to my liver. And I notice it in my jaw region actually that there's a level of tension that wasn't there previously. And I don't expect that everyone would have the same reaction. I'm a pretty, I've always been pretty sensitive to what I've consumed dietarily. And also I think the further that you go into healing, the sensitive, the more sensitive you become to everything, which is the people you're surrounding yourself with, the potentially the food that you're consuming. Um, but for me, like really big ones are media that I'm consuming, how much of it, how late at night I'm consuming it, um, who I'm talking to on the phone, uh, patients when they're walking through the door, like the stories that they're bringing in. And it, I, I don't know, that's just, that's been my experience and I, I can't speak for everybody, but I do think that that, speaking to people like yourself, it's, it's not an uncommon story. Um, it's worth saying that within my own story, um, because of the skin issues and the multiple rounds of antibiotics that I was put on in a Western medicine system, completely wiped my gut flora and uh, steroids, like you name it. I, I also had digestive issues eventually is what it came to. And through this process of going through changing my diet and the, the products that I would use on whether it be my skin or my face or my whatever hair. I also just refused to believe that food was the sole problem. Like I, I didn't think that I was going to have to live this very limiting life that was like you talked about joy free right? It, it just didn't resonate with me at the core of my being. I was like, there's something underlying that's deeper that is yet to be uncovered. And, I, and I'm a person who's extremely persistent and getting to the root of everything. Like, if it doesn't make sense to me, I, I just refuse to take no for an answer. So I, that's just my personality. It's a fierceness. It's not for everybody. But um, it's who I am. And uh, through that process, uh, I would be researching online. Uh, then ultimately, I've done multiple, you could call them continuing educations, but a lot of the time, the stuff that I do for continuing education at this point is actually just out-of-pocket pay because I think that it's most worthy of it, and like most of the traditional stuff for continuing education just doesn't resonate for me. And so I've done things and been through programs where uh, I've been taught some of these fascial maneuvers. And one of the big ones that I noticed was that all the way from the ileocecal valve and from our Chinese medicine background, the stomach channel was on my right side was really, really tight. And when I would do this ileocecal valve maneuver that I could get 
release, not just there, but all the way down into my groin and down through my leg in ways that started to shift the way I was looking at the body and the way that I was looking at our education from a meridian standpoint and, and looking at it more from like a fascial train and how these worlds were kind of melding together. And I'm, I'm still making connections to this day that I, I'll just be laying in bed at night and be like, oh, something's, I, I think I just made a connection today that I hadn't previously. So it's a continuous exploration process, but the fascia is so amazing to me. We, we don't know that much about it. And it, yeah, I could tell you a little bit about my beliefs, but I, I believe that it's very strongly part of the subconscious mind. And so as you start to do these maneuvers or you start to soften the connective tissue or fascia, you can have emotional releases. And when you have emotional releases or just in general, you start to stretch it and make it more free to communicate throughout the whole body, your levels of cortisol drop immensely. And it's one of the things that I've found to be most effective and most empowering because I never wanted to be dependent upon somebody else or a supplement. So for me, it was just like it clicked and it's what I've wanted to teach my patients and I have since I really have dove into it. Yeah, that's exactly how I would explain it. The, the analogy that I, I give in terms of patients is I often use rotisserie chicken. So there's that outer crispy layer that everybody likes to eat. Well, same thing. I would just be like, if you twist it here, well, it, throughout the entire chain, it's going to affect everything. So similarly, I just give a different visual, but that, that's exactly how I look at it. And for those listening, it is, uh, in Chinese medicine, they, they actually have a term for it. It's called muli. Um, and it has recently been discovered as like another organ. And so previously they used to dissect bodies and they would just get rid of it. They thought it was useless, but it literally touches every part of your body, organs included. And it is, it's how everything in real time communicates. It is through piezoelectricity and it's like this, it's almost another form of water, like a crystallized water. If you look at videos online about it and it, I have like the subconscious mind is part of it for me, but I even, if you want to get deeper into my like potentialities, what I you do. Yeah. Okay. I think, that, I think that it's even some kind of part of consciousness, like how we are almost downloading thoughts. Like where do your thoughts come from? Sometimes your life experiences, habits, et cetera. Um, and then ever, if you've ever had the moment where like, that didn't come from me, you know, like that was a completely half baked idea or fully baked idea that I didn't come up with. Maybe it's a business plan. Maybe it's like you think of a friend and you call that friend and you realize that that friend is in need of someone to talk to because something is happening in their life. Well, why would that be? I have no answer to that question, but I think that that system actually happens through our fascia as it is very similar in how it mimics nature in the sense of the, um, the mycelium network. It's like when you walk on the ground in the forest through the mycelium network, it understands that someone is walking on that ground and it's constantly communing with one another. It's like telling where things can grow or should grow or where there's more possibility for life. And that's the same thing for, the fascia really truly is is it's that instant communication network and i think that 
some of it is so much more beyond anything of our understanding that I believe that there's this possibility that has some kind of connection to consciousness. Okay, so welcome back to, this is round two. So a couple of days ago, uh, Dr. Christian Pedretti and I uh, attempted to record something and we ran into some technical difficulties, but we're going to try to splice the two conversations together because we were kicking ass on the first one. And so we definitely want to recycle that. So we're going to see if we can um, bring it back to where we left off and then where the conversation takes us. So um, Christian, the last time we were talking and where we kind of got cut off was we were talking about um, treated versus untreated wood and how that affects the fascia. So I'm going to let you kind of um, step back into that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, looking forward to continuing this conversation. It's been on my mind ever since we, we left off. Okay. When I was talking a couple of days ago about if you're walking on treated versus untreated wood, so this could be like on a deck versus you are walking on a log in nature, when you're walking on the deck that has been treated, your, you could even call it neuroception, which is that your body perceives the environment before your mind does, actually constricts on the treated wood versus if you're walking on a log because there is a bunch of chemicals on that treated wood. And your body knows innately through its intelligence that this is a chemical versus this is an organic piece of nature. So one of the things that I check like rigorously in my practice, there's, there's not a whole lot that I have structured in regards to when someone comes in, we're doing this because a lot of it is about a person's going to come up with, with something different or just where they're at both emotionally, energetically, physically is just completely different depending on the person. One of the things that I will always absolutely check though is called the ileocecal valve. And the ileocecal valve is where your small intestine meets your large intestine. And it is a valve that allows things to move from one to the other. And in that space, we have heard the term probably more than we care to the microbiome. And that is where your small intestine has this microbial matter that determines so much of your health. And if this is not functioning properly, this valve, whether microbes are on one side that they shouldn't be on versus the one that they should be on, or that just in general, there is something in this valve where it's either open or closed and it's not in its proper functioning, this can cause serious illness. And a lot of the time when people come in and they're having what I would call like not premodural symptoms, but like they're having symptoms that are minor and just kind of bothersome well those bothersome symptoms if you check the ileocecal valve the ileocecal valve often tells you those symptoms are about to get really gnarly they're about to become autoimmune disease and the reason for this being is that we're exposed to so many chemicals in our environment we're exposed to pesticides herbicides insecticides you name it things that are just walking like big ones are smells like endocrine receptors through 
you know, you think you buy a healthy candle, but it's not. If it's not essential oil based, you know, there's all these greenwash terms, but the fact of the matter is we're exposed to things that the human body had thousands of years not been exposed to. And in the last 200 years, we've been exposed to, I don't know what the number is, but it's, I think it's like over 200 chemicals the human body's never known. Mm-hmm. And in that, if you think about the ileocecal valve, it is the center of your body, right? It's off to the right. It's two inches to the right of your belly button and then one inch down. And in there, it is in your torso. And if that is clamped down or crimped or adjusted in a way that it, the body's defending itself through those chemicals that you're exposed to, well, you can kind of see me on camera, but for those of you that can't, your stomach is going to come down and you're almost putting pressure on your organs and everything has to change. So I think about this in the same way that I think about treated versus untreated wood versus your tissue is constricting when you walk down it and it tells the entire body. Well, so the same thing happens in the ileocecal valve where if you're exposed to a bunch of things that you are being forewarned by and you don't listen to those pre-symptoms, well, it will get worse and it will constrict harder and become what we formally know as disease. And in that, we did use the analogy, if you twist a sheet of paper at the center, well, on the edges or the fringes that everything else has to adjust. So the same thing is what I'm what I'm alluding to is at the ileocecal valve, if you have constriction, well, then your low back has to adjust. Your shoulder comes forward. Your, you know, your jaw adjusts. Your foot starts to inwardly rotate. Whatever it may be, your whole body is making an adjustment for the root cause. So someone comes in and they're like, yeah, I have knee pain, but the knee pain could be coming from your ileocecal valve. Your low back pain could be coming from your ileocecal valve. So it's one of these things that, is I laugh because it's almost comical. Like most practitioners come in and they're treating the ankle, the foot pain, the low back pain. When in reality, there's so much more that's going on underneath the hood and people are okay with just doing that. And the reason that I have come into this world is I am so relentless about why is this happening? And I understand that not all patients are going to walk through the door and be like, Hey, I want to get to the root of this. I, someone just might want their low back pain taken care of and that's okay. I just don't know. I have like a moral obligation as a person and a practitioner to at least notify you at some point to be like, Hey, that's awesome. We'll take care of that. And also you feel this, this tension and this pain. Well, it needs to be addressed if you want to get to the root of this. Otherwise this might come back. Mm. I have like so many things that I want to say right now. Um, <laughs> I feel like like you had so many like good little like nuggets in there that I'm like, okay, I want to come back to this and this. Um, so I think that like, that's a huge thing for me. I remember I like, <clears throat> I posted something several like months ago where I was like, unless it's like an actual injury to like an area or um, you know, like an accident happened or whatever, orthopedic issues to me, I'm like, okay, but what is actually driving that? And so when I, you know, and I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea like, oh, I have low back pain because I'm getting older. 
I mean, like, yeah, over time there's like, you know, variations of deterioration, but to me, I'm like, I, I constantly like, okay, if you're, it's like re-educating to me, it's like, to your point, it could be your shoulder pain. And I speak to this too. I'm like, the pain that you're having up here might have to do with your gut health right now. Right. Or, you know, the low back pain that you're having, maybe it's stress on your adrenals or on the kidneys that it's, it's literally causing this like, um, like ripple effect on the fascia, right? Because your organ is under stress in some capacity because of lifestyle, whatever. And it's putting so much stress that it's causing everything else to have to, um, adjust to that stress on that organ. And therefore you have low back pain or whatever, like the knee pain that you're talking about. So I love that you're saying that because I feel like, um, to no one's fault, but I feel like a lot of practitioners also kind of miss the boat on that, you know, what is the, like the root. So, um, I, I don't want to lose sight of some of the other things, but like, I'll come back. I've written notes. If you see me coming over here and like turning, I'm jotting notes down. Um, but how do you, I, I'm sure it's kind of hard to quantify, but um, what would you say is like the percentage or like chances that it's coming from the ileocecal valve or how do you go about assessing for the root even, because I'm sure that there's other areas that it could be coming from the pain that somebody is experiencing. So how do you go about um, like assessing for that? Great question. Well, I would say a couple of things come up when you're, when you're talking about that. So for instance, when I am looking at someone and they walk through the door, I just strictly believe that their body is telling the story that I, as a practitioner am reading a book, I'm not taking like this equation of, of like, Hey, this is what it always is. Or this, like, I'm just, I'm not a one trick pony kind of guy where it's like, it's always going to be your adrenals or it's always going to be your ileocecal valve. But I do think it plays a role in probably if I had to put a number to it, I would say over 80% of issues, like it, mm-hmm. something is happening in the ileocecal valve, especially when it comes to internal medicine, orthopedic issues oftentimes included too. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who have been in the orthopedics world and that they're really good at what they do, whether you're a PT and acupuncturist or whatever, they'll even tell you that the source of pain is not the problem area, that there's almost always something further down chain or up chain that is actually creating a kink within that area that ultimately is causing an impingement at the source of your shoulder pain, right? It could be your scapula is not tracking properly. It could be that you have an old injury in your forearm that the tissue has not been dealt with. So um, the ileocecal valve, I do think should at a minimum be checked by everybody. And so if you're a practitioner listening to this, all you do is you go two inches over to the right of the, the belly button, you go one inch down, you press inward, and then you twist that skin up and it, rotate it towards like the the center column or like the breastbone mm-hmm. and yeah I, I just I don't think we do it enough it's one of those things like when I stumbled upon it 
everything started to click and make sense. So that is what comes first and foremost to mind when, when I'm looking at like how much of a role does this play? I guess the answer is just a big one. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, there's such a big movement now for, you know, how the microbiome is like the root of everything. And I think as soon as I, I like heard that we have more bacteria in our body than we do human cells, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much bigger than, you know, we've, or at least I learned, you know what I mean? Um, and so I feel like we're just kind of like touching on that. So when you were talking about, um, you know, especially the ileocecal valve being like almost like a starting point or I don't want to, is that what you were saying? Like it was, um, yeah, you like could say that point of autoimmune, autoimmune issues. Yeah, that, that is factual in my mind. Okay. So, um, and it's this disruption of the microbiome you're saying that there's, so is it like it's improperly closing, it's not, or improperly opening or what is the, um, like biomechanism? Like, how does that happen? Well, it depends on who you ask. I would say in my viewpoint, I actually think it's the fascia that's constricting in that area, creating tension, not necessarily allowing the ileocecal valve to do its job properly, which is open and close at the proper time. So I think it's the fascia that overlays and wraps both the small and large intestine and the valve. And um, yeah, it the root of the root is most of the time and people that you and I probably follow online, people like Dr. Zach Bush, people who are huge proponents of environmental toxicity and trying to be an advocate for policy. Well, it's probably glyphosate. Like there, it's hard to prove a one for one model, but glyphosate is this very sneaky pesticide that disrupts a, onslaught of things and that at the time that it was introduced into the environment it has a direct correlation in the rise of autoimmunity and again hard to prove one for one but it's well known that it does actually cause cancer and um, that there's huge multi-million dollar if not billion dollars um, settlements that are like in the talks or, or in the court systems that are just they're waiting for it to ultimately be able to pull it off the shelves, but, um, you know, almighty dollar talks. So it's taking a while. Yeah. 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 Of course. Um, okay. So just to, I guess, um, reiterate everything that you're saying. So you're saying that it's not a hundred percent of the time, but, um, this correlation between chemicals and, and toxicity that um, affects how our fascia responds and it causes constriction and therefore it'll eventually manifest into physical pain or autoimmune issues or disruption with the microbiome. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I would I would take it even a step further. So. Um... The fascia in and of itself is this layer of communication system and it's constantly giving feedback. It's like instantaneous and 
from my belief, I do think that there are these massive underlying players of physical environmental issues. And at the same time, I've in the work that I, I do, and I'm primarily switching over to, um, I, it's a lot of body work that's involved with also emotions too. So in the realm of fascia, and we talked about a little bit about being potentially, if not, you know, there's some strong evidence that points to that it might be part of the subconscious mind or even directly the subconscious mind. Well, when you have these emotional releases, the fascia just becomes unrestricted in ways that is freeing beyond belief. I've had it releases both myself and you'll see people on table have, um, you know, what I would call, yeah, just an emotional release or like a breakdown turning into a breakthrough and the amount of freedom that you feel in your body on the other side is, is pretty potent. Um, I do think though that that's where there's this nuance of medicine. I think it's not a sexy thing to sell like, Hey, it is this and that, or it's this on top of that. It's like this repeat offenders that also has an underlying storyline in it. So I don't think it's just emotions. I think that there's things that we're exposed to in our environment and we are emotional beings and we are connected through something that has uh, this emotional tie. And so if you are exposed to something in the environment and you're dealing with this now physical pain or ailment, well, you are no longer just this person that's exposed to this environmental thing. You are having an emotional experience to that as well. So I think that you have to release the emotions sometimes and also get rid of what's in, in the way in the environment. So mm. it's it just stacks on top of each other, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to me, that's like the, the journey of healing in any capacity. Oh, for me, I almost kind of like, we start to pay attention when like our physical symptoms start to get louder and louder. Um, but there's all these like other, like underlying things that, um, like precede these bigger, um, manifestations, you know? So it's like the physical body, like we start to, that's when we start to, to listen and we're like, okay, well now I need to address like what's happening on this physical layer, but it's like almost like an invitation to start paying attention to what's happening on these like deeper and inner levels. Um, and to me, that's like, that's all of it is the real work, but like, that's the unseen part of it, you know, like it's hard to see these layers that are contributing to these physical manifestations. Um, but that's to your point, like that's where you see those like um, bigger releases, like the freedom on the other side of experiencing um, or releasing those emotions. Um, and that I've been telling people recently um you know, like we're not meant to, I had this like aha moment a few weeks ago where like, we're not meant to hang on to our emotions for more than a few minutes. And oftentimes we just sit there and like, we repress, right? Like we push our emotions down and, you know, um, they're stored in the body. And instead of, you know, 
moving the energy like up and out through the crown or up and out like um we we tend to and that's also like we're not taught to move energy out that way but like we have to literally move the energy and like zebras after they you know have been running away from i don't know their predator they shake and they're trying to readjust their nervous system so and also like that's what we're trying to do as well like we have it's our it's nervous system I don't want to necessarily say dysregulation, but there's a disruption in the nervous system. And if we can't regulate it or learn how to self-regulate it, that's when we start to, um, it's a com- compounding effect to, I think what you're saying or what I'm gathering from what you're saying. Um, and to go back to uh, how we kind of started this conversation just now, everything that you're kind of pointing out to me is, um, I read this book and I'm forgetting the name of the book, but, um, I'll figure it out and I'll share with everyone. Um, but it basically hypothesized that it's not nature that makes us healthier. It's being in nature helps bring us back to our most natural state. And so, and that to me, I was like, well, I've never thought of it that way, but, uh, like that makes the most sense to me. Like, we're health, we're healthy because we're living, um, in accordance to nature. We're living closer to nature and everything that you're saying, like the toxicity that we're, um, you know, exposed to environmentally or even online and all like everything that we're surrounded with, it affects us and it pulls us out of our most natural and heightened state that, uh, a state in place of health. Um, and you know, like your body naturally responds by, um, producing more immune cells, right? Your white blood cells when you are amongst trees, you know, like forest bathing is a thing for a reason. Um, grounding earthing is, you know, uh, beneficial for a reason. It's because it brings you back to this in my, um, newest formed opinion, it brings us back to the state of, of balance, right? Our, that's how we were supposed to be and how we were supposed to live. Um, so, and I love that you, I had never heard that term before neuroception, but that makes sense. Like your body is aware of it without, you know, before you are even physically aware of it too. So, um, thank you for bringing that in a roundabout way. Um, so how, okay. So with fascia responding to, um, I'm curious because coming from teaching yoga, uh, we spoke a lot about it, you know, with our feet. So, Um, like we don't take care of our feet or we don't like stretch our feet in the way that, you know, we probably should. So do you ever notice any kind of like a correlation with, um, with that as well? Because if you think about how, like at the top and the bottom of the chain, um, you know, our feet to our head, have you noticed that there's any kind of a connection there as, as well? 
Yeah, your yogis are, are on to something for sure. Because in accordance with looking at the ileocecal valve, the other thing that I'll immediately look at is your feet. And for those of you who are looking at the video, you can kind of see my hands. But for those of you who are not, when someone lays on a massage table and you are on your back, well, your feet, are, as my hands are representing them, they will slide out a little bit. And a lot of the time, if there's some kind of constriction, one foot will actually be like internally rotated or it won't fall down as much as the other foot. And so it's showing me that there's some kind of restriction in the foot, yes, and also the entire chain. And that's where it's the feet are representative of the entire chain. And so the tissue, the fascia, literally wraps all around everything in your entire body. So if you are seeing the foot a certain way, well, that's how it's running all the way up the chain. And I'll share my own experience. I used to, I used to roll my ankles a lot when I played sports and I never fully recovered from these basketball injuries. And then that injury, I, as I was older, I took some time off from playing baseball and I was stealing first to second base one time. And in my right inguinal groove, slash adductor area, I pulled something in a way that like I didn't recover from the entire season. And from there, uh, as actually I was in our program together, I threw out, quote unquote, my low back. And as a person who is just dealing with whatever comes up when it comes up, aka most people in the Western world, well, I just thought nothing of it. But those were all related because the ankle injury that wasn't dealt with, there was tissue, especially in the right one for me, the right angle, that was stuck, that had to create adhesions or to create um, the collagen to form more densely to be able to protect it so it didn't roll itself. So, well, if there's constriction there now, well, further up the chain, there's actually going to be put more pressure in in certain areas. That's why I pulled mm-hmm. my adductor. That's why there wasn't ever dealt with i just you know would feel it from time to time i was like i don't know what you do about it Uh, i guess this is just a thing now well that turned into the low back area and then you know the low back turns into an anteriorly rotated right shoulder and all this stuff is still stuff that i actually still notice in many moments and from time to time I, i will say that another reason why this work isn't meant for everybody in in my world is because it's not overnight. It's not this thing where you're like, okay, well let's do it. Let's go to the gym and let's check off this thing and we'll do it three days a week and um, it'll be all good and and fancy. Well, in reality, yes, structure and putting time and attention is going to help. There's also just a lot of undoing and a lot of that undoing of the constriction of the fascia comes with, a story it comes with like let's say you have a big release where you get like a, a pop formally um well that might come with some kind of emotional thing that you have to process that you didn't even know was a tied to that area and although very liberating and free it's just it's everyone comes to the medicine that they need in their own time and um i do think that at the core of it there's a lot of there's a lot of fight in that because it gets to deeper layers of well you're fighting your value system right like you have to admit that we're 
here in this space together experiencing so much something so much greater than an ankle injury right it's just like mm. why was that tied to this emotion and like i don't know it all ends up back kind of at the same which is like some potentially repressed memory that you didn't get to emote like you said which is like mm-hmm. something got stuck the body is keeping the score and emotions literally the the word motion is in the word emotion. And if you're not moving it, you're right. And, you know, I guess I'll end the rant here just by saying, if you were to take anything away from today, just like Kayla said that emotions need to move and they're only meant to last a few minutes. Well, that sounds great on paper. And uh, at the same time, we're human, right? So like, let's say you have a job that you don't really like your boss and, uh, there is a guarantee they walk into the room and you feel that constriction in your body through neuroception like we just talked about. Well, you have to listen to what they say in a meeting. They say something and you're like, that idiot, like they don't know what they're talking about. Um, they, they think they can just walk in here, whatever the story is, right? And you hold it and you're like, all right, I guess I'm doing what they asked me to do. Well, that constriction is still in your body after the meeting if you don't discharge it in some way, shape or form. So this is where this nervous system regulation or just in general, moving it in certain ways, like shaking like zebras, this is an incredible tool. Like if you could just go to the bathroom right after the meeting, go into a stall and just like shake, 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 shake your body, it will make it feel so much more comfortable or steady pressure. Or even if you think about, um, it's kind of a CD movie in, in some ways, but like the Wolf of Wall Street where uh, Matthew McConaughey's pounding his chest. Mm-hmm. That is an incredible way to calm your entire body down. Um, there's also my favorite, which is on a car ride home. If I feel like I have not dealt with something, I sometimes will like literally be shouting or I will be singing or ad-libbing to a song that is happening because something just needs to come up and out. And for me, the way that I process things best is actually through voice. So um, that could be a conversation with a friend. And, you know, there's a couple of people in my life that I owe hundreds of dollars that were unpaid therapy appointments for, but um, most recently voice memos and singing and ad-libbing and just like letting it move is how I choose to do it these days. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, you know, like movement and, um, I mean, like even writing, as long as you're just like moving the, the, like, you're not keeping it within you, right. You're, you don't have to like internalize it. Um, and you know, after I, I started going to school and everything, so I had scoliosis or I have it. Um, and I had surgery when I was um, I think 12 or 13. And so I have a spinal fusion and, um, it didn't hit me until like within the past couple of years, cause it happened right after some pretty traumatic stuff happened to like, to me and within my family. And, um, now I'm like, it was the, in, the unprocessed emotions that I was experiencing that just caused my body to like contort in the way that it did because I didn't know how to self-regulate. I didn't know how to process the emotions that I was ex- like experiencing. And so to me now, and I don't know, like, and who knows, like, it's hard to prove, prove that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, 
I feel like had I had the tools, you know, back as a young kid, um, would I have been able to avoid surgery, you know? Um, and I'm curious your thoughts. Have you, um, do you know Bruce Lipton's work? I know who Bruce Lipton is, but I actually don't know what his work is. So he wrote, um, I'm sure multiple books, but one of them is called biology of belief. And he talks about like different brainwave states and it, how it's our, it's our beliefs that drive the emotions, the thoughts that creates the, the behaviors, right. Um, and how those unconscious, um, thoughts just like loop, um, in the background, those are the things that are really driving the car and, um, how that can actually manifest into like physical symptoms as well, right? The development of disease. Um, and so I'm curious, especially because you were talking about, you know, um, fascia being like another form of water. Um, oh gosh. And what is that other book? Sorry. My brain goes all over the place. Um, it's that the Japanese researcher that, um, looked at water and the, yeah, like, yeah. Crystal, I'm forgetting the name of the book. Um, I don't know, but, but you, you, you can explain what it is. Yeah. Um, so basically the water changes just kind of like plants, right? Like, but water changes its form based off of like, um, like good thoughts or like positive speaking versus like negative thoughts and, um, negative words. And, um, and so like, the crystals that formed from the water were just like either like these beautiful structures or it just looked like pure chaos based off of um, the energy that it was receiving and plants do the same thing, right? Like it either grows or it doesn't grow based off of the energy that you, you give to it. Um, So I'm curious your thoughts based off of this like network, this, other form of water, this mycelium network, like how your thoughts on how the fascia responds based off of either our, our beliefs that we've adopted, um, or like the, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the energy that we, you know, send to ourselves, right. Negative thoughts, da 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 da, or the environment that we're obviously responding to. That was a big one. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I like it. I I don't have an immediate v- viewpoint of, of this versus that, but the thing that comes up is that it, it can be both ways. So it's a lot like when someone is sick from a trauma with a capital T and they have a lot of other things that they're coming through the door for, well, sometimes the first thing that that person needs is to clean up their diet because that's the conversation that they came in the door for. And that's the conversation that is most comfortable to be met in that moment. And there needs to be maybe trust built in that relationship. So you can go through the physical and build to go to the emotional. And that's a lot of people's process. Mm -hmm. And also if you want to cut all of that, you can go straight to releasing emotions and helping a person process things through somatic work through fascial work through talk therapy you know i have my opinions that what i think is most effective but in the biology of belief of what 
Bruce Lipton believes. It's like, which is first? Is it function and form or, or is it belief? And I think that both are true. I think when you believe something, your body takes on that structure. And I think you can actually change your structure and I think you can sit upright. And I think you can use that structure to create and transform your belief. Because if you think about it from the standpoint of, um, I don't know if you've ever noticed you've had, ever had a good, really good acupuncture treatment and you just feel like you're standing up taller and you mm-hmm. feel like you are walking in the world more confidently. Well, what the hell is that? Like that doesn't make any effing sense, mm-hmm. but from a, cause they put needles in your arm or they put it in your feet, like, like mm-hmm. get out of here. But the, yeah. the reality of the matter is you're using the physical form to shift perception. And mm-hmm. when you shift perception through the physical form, you are taking on more of that belief. And granted, I will say that when you use the physical, it doesn't always hold for as long as if you get straight to the belief and understanding of why am I believing this and what do I actually want to believe? And then you can get into work mm-hmm. like Joe Dispenza, Bruce Limpton. And, and I do think that that is where so much of medicine is headed. I think that um, it doesn't, matter where you start but i think if you want to get to the the root of things that's where you ultimately find what works for you is like hey what am i believing what am i accepting because i do think so much of what we take on here even from like a public setting is is about what is the contract what's the unwritten contract that we're accepting in this moment so Mm -hmm. you can look at the last two years and say well society has accepted this as the means forward and each individual and contributes to the greater and each state determined throughout the last two years, what policy was, what we move forward with only did it differ through state and local agency because of what the individuals accepted in an unwritten contract it had no difference whether or not it was a disease that was slowing around because that was the same everywhere. It was rather what was your acceptance to what was forward. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, and it's like so much of our, I mean, our beliefs like create our reality, you know what I mean? And, and, um, it's like, it's one of the biggest things that I learned over the past few years was like how the, I mean, how my internal state is a reflection of the external and vice versa. And so like, um, kind of a slightly different topic, but like, you know, how is it that I want to be and move in the world? And kind of what I was hearing from you is like, you know, um, it's almost like sometimes you have to fake it till you make it type of a thing where you're like, you know, I'm just moving in faith that things will be differently, that I'm moving in faith towards something that is maybe unseen and hard to believe right now, but I'm, I'm moving in faith towards the unseen because, you know, and, and maybe it's hard for me to actually embody that right now or to feel it or to experience it. But there is something to be said, in my opinion, if you, if you just continue showing up, right. And, you know, in putting one foot in front of the other, you're, it's almost like you're reprogramming yourself um, to be in this different state and 
place, you know, um, and maybe it's not the quickest route, um, but it's definitely moving into um, like the right direction. Um, and I feel like a lot of, I mean, I have a lot of hope as far as like, you know, where the direction of like medicine is heading. But to me, I'm like, what is it that like, how do I want to show up in the world? And how am I contributing? And how, what do I want to experience? Because sometimes I, I think that we can forget that, um, like, we're active participants in the, the world that we are creating and the, that we live in, right? That, that what I'm experiencing, what I'm experiencing today um, is I, I am actively participating. And so can I choose to show up differently? Can I, can I choose to show up? Um, I don't know, with hope, with joy, as opposed to doubt and disappointment or, you know, things that will affect us um, physiologically as well, you know? Um, and I feel like that has been one of the biggest takeaways for me and learning points, you know, number one, as a practitioner, number two, as a forever student. Um, but yeah, like if we choose, if we make the choice, because we have the choice to, to show up differently. Right. And it's not going to be perfect. Um, but if we stay committed to that, man, like there's so much that can, that can change and that can happen. That is possible. Um, and I, to your point as well, like with the direction that we're heading with medicine, or I feel like we're heading with medicine with like Joe Dispenza, which I've had like such crazy experiences doing like his work as well. Um, and like reading stuff like Bruce Lipton, you know, you, you do start to understand, or I'm curious your point on that, your viewpoint on that as well, but like you understand how much you're actually like, um, number one, responsible, but number two, like how much power you actually have in, in creating what you want to create physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of that. Um, but yeah, I'm curious your, your thoughts on that. Sorry. I just like rambled. <laughs> no, so much goodness there. I would say I, I agree. I do think that there is a lot of frustration in the interim a lot of the time because when you open that door and you realize that you're contributing to your experience in a massive way if not completely mm. well then you have to first accept that what you're getting is on a very fundamental level your fault so mm. um not necessarily that your history is your fault but that what you are currently getting in this moment is you're contributing to something, you know, and uh, tragic things happen to people in the world and, and it's really unfortunate. And at the same time, we all have the power to move through whatever it is. Like think about the course of American history, how African-Americans had to endure an incredible amount of not just physical pain, but emotional pain. And in that process, overcame i mean it's just i don't know I, I can't even conceive the the amount of like belief that it takes to mm -hmm. 
to to move through something like that and um i guess i i would say that in that frustration the first thing that it takes is to not reject what's before you so so much of i would say my personal health journey and even today like so much i realize how much i'm rejecting a moment like i'll be in a room and i'll be like i'm not wildly stoked about being in a room full of strangers and having a small talk like that is cringeworthy to me right like this conversation depth fun enjoyable connection and also when you're in a room full of strangers, you start to talk about things like the weather and like, where are you from? Honestly, get the hell out of here. Like (laughs) kill me, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, in that process, um, I will start to reject it and I will feel it on a very physical level. Well, in reality, you actually can create the depth that you're craving. If you ask good questions, if you stand physically like root through your feet and feel what you're feeling, the discomfort of small talk and uh, take a good breath and uh, you go, okay, all right, this is me now. This is what I have. This is something that's happening in my life. How do I have the power to influence this? And you get curious is, is, is what I believe is the answer of being curious about the other person that's in front of you. And rather than coming up with all the stories as to why you shouldn't be here or why did you choose to come to this dinner tonight or how could you get out of it? Like, that's the thing for me that always comes up. It's like, how can I get out of here in 30 seconds? You know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like constantly looking for the out. Well, mm-hmm. you get curious. And so that's a, that's a really powerful energy to be in because you don't ever know where it's going to go. If you get curious, you, you're actually not controlling, you're allowing things to happen. Mm. So, and I, I love that because I feel like, God, that's so applicable to so many, I mean, to basically everything, to so many different layers, right? Like if, if we can just get curious about other people, I mean, this goes into like other people's beliefs, but if we get curious about ourselves and like, you know, um, why, why am I responding this way? Why do I feel this way? When you start to, um, it's almost like, you know, you start to take more of like the seat of the observer, um, within yourself. Um, but when you like everything changes, when you start to get more curious and, um, outside of like, you know, external interactions, but when you start to, to do that with yourself too, um, like some of my big core beliefs as a, um, like as an individual is just, like absolute, um, responsibility. And I, and I feel like people like being responsible, I think on some levels, like we feel like we're responsible, like, Oh, I'm responsible for my life, but we don't, um, understand the depth of responsibility and the freedom and the power that comes with it. Um, cause sometimes that can also be like a scary thing too. Um, but everything kind of changes when you start to get like curious with yourself, you know, like, I don't know, like, why am I feeling this shoulder pain? You know, it's almost like you just start having a conversation 
with it? Um, or why am I, you know, so fatigued or why am I, um, why am I so tired after spending time with X person or in, in this group or in this environment or, um, you know, like that's, that to me is when things start to, to change on a personal level, but also like in connection with other people too, because when you develop that relationship with yourself and, you know, something higher than yourself, like you have, um, you're better able to, to do that with other people as well. And ultimately for me, like health is a, um, like being healthy is, is wonderful. Like we all want to, but like being healthy is so that we can live in a thriving state. Being healthy is so that we can connect with people, places in our environment so that we can actually be present to what we're experiencing, you know, and we get to this place of presence when we're curious I, so. I couldn't agree more. I think that that's everything. I think so, and it it just is so reflective of the journey that most people go through when you have a health crisis, which is you're so caught in the pain and the struggle and the frustration, and then you just want to be out of it. And by just doing that, you're again, you're not being curious, you're not accepting, you're not allowing to be with what's before you because you're so attached to a thing whether it's a label that a doctor gave you or you're attached to what this might mean for your life and i'm not here to say that any of that is easy quite the contrary because i think so many people like you and i who have had really strong things happen to us physically that we can empathize with anyone who's listening to this it's like yeah these things, they're not that fun, you know? Yeah. And, al- and also, it's an experience that you still, you have a lot of say in. And uh, there's, there's something waiting for you on the other side of it, I would even say. Um, so in the name of curiosity, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in this process of you going through your own health journey, you... Um, are embarking on new chapters in your practice and uh, you are thriving in your own sense. I'm wondering now that you have this breath of fresh air where certain people listening to this might be like, Hey, like someday I want to be in a similar circumstance like Dr. Kayla, not necessarily to be a doctor or an acupuncturist, but to be in a space of, curiosity and choice and being a co-creator to your own world what is it that you really want to create in maybe your life and also your practice like what is it that you are looking to bring to the table uh, on a day-to-day basis in your practice Mm. um yeah i feel like this continues to evolve but you know, I think the the biggest thing for me or the the 
thread that has like from start to finish from the reason why I went into medicine to now is um, education and empowerment because when, when we start to learn about ourselves um, and, and our unique design and what we need in order to thrive, um, we just can simply become better advocates for ourselves. We make better choices for ourselves. This is how we, to me, how we create meaningful change in the world. Um, even if it's on the, the most microscopic level, like if at the end of the day, the person sitting across from me or the person who comes across anything that I talk or share about, they feel like they're closer to themselves or closer to community. They're closer to God's spirit, the universe. Then I feel like I've done part of my job, right? I've done my job there because I'm not a healer. Um, I think we're all healers. I think we, it's, it's part of our journey to awaken to that power within us. And we all have our unique way of moving and navigating through the world. And if you can figure that out for yourself, and if I'm a small part of that to help you figure that out, and then I consider that an honor. Um, but it's more important to me that we just become on a collective level and an individual level, more and more sovereign beings. Um, so that's on a bigger level. Um, but with my own practice, you know, and working with people, like, I, I think I start, I just want to, I want to have an impact here in San Diego and in Poway and opening up my own clinic space here. And I know that'll take on a life of its own. Um, but then just working more and more with people putting out, you know, content and information, I feel like similarly to like what you're, you're doing as well. Like when like education changes everything. And so how do we get that out to more and more people and, you know, social media and, and being online, it has its pros and cons. I'm grateful for it. it um, because we have the ability to, to connect with more and more people. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's, uh, on a personal level and a professional level, if, um, awakening to our greatest potential, right. Untapping that potential, unlocking that, like, and being able to co-create and when we can finally understand it and when we finally feel it, like that's, uh, yeah, I think that's what it's all about is so that we, we understand ourselves so intimately that we can, um, change just about anything in our lives that we want. We understand how we co-create with the universe. Um, and that changes everything for us on a physical level, an emotional level, a spiritual level. 
Um, so I feel like that's kind of very vague, <laughs> but ultimately that's kind of what I want to share with, with the world. Oh, I think that's perfect. I think that, I think you have a duty to do that probably, right? Like you've come out through your own fire and being on the other side. And I, I do think that that's everything, right? It's about like honesty with yourself and, and hopefully lighting that flame for somebody else. So whatever form it takes, I don't think it, you know, vague or not vague, it's like at the core of it, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like how free can we become? Mm-hmm. So um, I want to make sure that I have all of my, all of my questions. I know that you're up to a bunch of fun stuff out. Um, so uh, outside of Philadelphia, but tell us more about um, what you're moving into and the things that you're starting to offer in your community. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I'm here in Eastern Pennsylvania or Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and uh, the East Coast is very different from my life on the West Coast, but really, really not that much either. Too at the same time, it's been this process of creating more space for myself to be able to offer greater, deeper things for other people, and I have this goal of creating the healthiest city in America and Mm -hmm. I feel that at the core of my being part of what I'm here to do is really play behind the scenes role in some of that in in this local community here and um, ultimately hopefully similarly pass that torch to other communities and influence and you know you never know the depth of, of what you do and how it can influence a greater area. Um, and in that process, one of the things that I determined that I have a duty to do is to have a free class and a free offering for people out here. And, and I have three right now. It's, it's probably going to change a little bit in the wintertime being that the class is outside right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is all about this fascial maneuvers, the stretch and release class that is ultimately about giving people a taste of feeling a little more free in their body. And there's more depths and more layers to it. And I'm still sifting through what that offering looks like bigger picture. Cause I, I am a person who really wants to meet the needs of people. And I think sometimes it can be really simple. So, there's there's like an intro course that I have coming out for people that that should be out. I would hope fingers crossed in like the next month or whatnot. But um, in that, it's a lot about movement. It's a lot about um, honoring your own emotions, and part of that is like sleep. I've, so many people that I see in the clinic have issues with sleep, and mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of benefit with. Um, a variety of different things, but like sleep time routine and hypnotherapy and, and all this good stuff that uh, has a lot of application. So I'm going to have like a, a course coming out and I'm not all that active online right now, but you can find me at goodhealth.cp on the internet and or on Instagram. Some other different things that I have that are in the works, but they're 
they're kind of in the embassy stages and some of that's around um men's work or men's health and uh, um yeah that that's not to be seen on the internet quite yet but i'm i'm excited about that ultimately you know if you are interested in any of the work that i have to do or or that i'm that i'm here to create or you want to co-collab on anything i'm i'm an open ear and i think that that's what a lot of this is about the internet is just connecting with people who have like minds so feel free to send me a message that's probably where i'm most active um other than that I work at this awesome clinic here called Good Health Acupuncture in the Lehigh Valley area. And yeah, this this journey is one of many. So I'm just excited yeah. to be here and be a part of it all. Yeah, you have so many you have so many great things um, that you're working on. So I'm excited to see where that takes you. Do you work with people online as well, in case anybody from out of state? Yeah, yeah, you can DM me and and we can talk about if I can help you out or not and, and what that might look like and see if we're a good fit. So by, by all means, shoot me a message. Um, there's, I'm, I'm in this creation process where in like the next month I'll have more formal, like here's where you can find me type stuff, but I'll, I'll send you the link. So if you ever do care to like strike that underneath the, the podcast notes, we can, we can add that yeah. then. Yeah, perfect. And I'm just, I'm wrapping up um my first season of this podcast so i'll let you know when when i'm about to air this too but um i'm excited to see where you're headed and how everything unfolds magically for you um thank you for coming on again for round two (laughs) i feel like we're probably i was like i feel i took so many notes like i don't like i was like i have to come back to like all of this right here so um (laughs) <laughs> probably have to do this again at some point. Um, but thank you so much for coming on um, once again. Yeah. And as we should, as we should. And, and next time in San Diego, I'll, I'll be sure to get a formal in-person tea or coffee down because uh, we never got to do that in person when, uh, before I left. So next thank you for year. having me on. And this is such a joy. I appreciate you. Well, thank you.